0: And welcome to the Habibis Podcast, three game developers drinking good Arab tea. My name is Rami Ismail, I'm your
1: host for this episode. And I'm Osama Dorias. 12,
0: Twelve episodes.
1: How did we get here?
0: I have no idea. Did you did you ever go back and listen to the first episode?
1: Yes. We've gotten much better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we we have stable
1: audio volumes now. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, we we're don't talk names. over each other as much, and I say that as we all talk over <laughs> <we> each other. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. The only the only way it can go.
0: We
2: got better. Um, we didn't get good. There's a difference. No. <laughs> we're, we, we're getting. We're getting
0: there. We're getting there. um
2: <laughs> We have matching microphones. That's a big yes. right.
1: That's true. That's nice. That's uh, nice.
2: We need to have matching galabia Yes, it's, absolutely. This oh. has to be a thing.
1: Embroidered I mean, with I, ha- the Habibi's logo. Has the Habibi's oh. logo
2: on the back and like numbers, like football.
1: You, you think we can get that? I, we can totally get that. Let me see if I can get those. Well, we're really big. I don't know how about you, but I always have a hard time finding to as our size. I mean, especially yeah. you, Ram. You're even taller than I am, so I don't know. I've
0: uh, I've managed I'm to get a them. Medium. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> just Fouse is just a normal size, and then some are just giants. I'm yeah.
2: between Habibi if you're if we're doing a lineup.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. So, so would we, if we stand in a line, would we be from like short to tall, or it like what be would a valley, we? Do?
2: So tall, tall, and like a zero in the middle. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, like, like
1: I am tall, but I feel short next to Ravi. I don't know.
2: <laughs> Sam, what are you doing to me, man? What do you? How
3: do you think I feel? <laughs>
1: No, but the first time I met Rami, d- we took a selfie together. I was like on my tippy toes and I still was short. It didn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> I think the last selfie I took with Fauzi, I actually bent through my knees a little <laughs> to get both of us in the photo. It was...
2: Just for the record, I'm not short. I'm not, no, Fauzi's not. not short he's at really all. not. I'm slightly above average, but, but Rami is a giant. Yes, <laughs> I mean,
0: is. And, I, and I'm not too far above average in the Netherlands. <laughs> which is wild. That's, that's I think like, like
2: the Netherlands is like the tallest people on earth.
0: I think yeah. so. Yeah. Well, yeah. One of the tallest yeah, like anyway. Top, top three yeah. for sure, at least. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> video games. <laughs> that's so good. We're just talking about how much better we got at podcasting and we've spent like minutes talking about nonsense. <laughs> well, I don't know.
3: I so, like,
2: maybe we were saying that it's get better, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it yeah. it. It's
1: it a little bit of regression, right? It's normal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, i played some video games uh, this nice week. so there's this uh, new hazelite game that just came out called it takes two um the mm-hmm. uh, is like studio here in stockholm uh, uh from famed director joseph ars i don't know if you guys he's right. uh, half arab uh, yeah, right? oh, yeah 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 he is, cool. uh, he is. Uh, he's like a swedish lebanese i think yeah awesome. um, I-, I haven't got the chance to meet him because i got to oh. home in the middle of a pandemic
0: He's Uh, wonderful. I have I have many great stories about him, and many great stories I can't tell in public about. (laughs) (laughs) But also, all positive, all positive. But also,
2: yeah. So I'm looking forward for the pandemic to kind of uh, uh, reel in and like the Stockholm game scene to kind of get together as much Mm -hmm. uh, once again. So the the new Haze Light game. uh, It's called Takes Two. It it follows in kind of the Haze Light Studio approach of. You want to play this with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one actually, this game you can't play on your own. You either play it with some with another player, either locally or online. Interesting. And it kind of like emphasizes it. Like follow. It, it can tell that you know they've learned a lot from the the game before that, um, the way out. I think.
1: Oh, that's them. Okay, I know that's Yeah, the yeah. Deal.
2: So it's the same city. So like uh, they, they did three games. The first one was called Brother uh, Brothers Tales of uh, yeah. Tales of Two Sons. Yes. The second one calls a way out and then this one it takes two. The first one was a single player game in which like you control the two brothers, each brother was its own joystick. Um and fun fun story is that I actually played that game with my brother and each one of us controlled one of the one of the sticks so we held the same we on held one controller. controller yeah on the same <laughs> controller I did the same yeah I think they must have heard this story quite some time because you could tell there's a like a big cooperative focus on the studio from that game onward which I which right. I quite like. So it takes two. Um, I don't want to spoil much of it. I can't really spoil a lot because I've only played a couple of hours. I haven't finished it yet. Um, it's a 3D platformer. You get a lot of um, a Little Big Planet vibes. The, and the art style, I feel, reminds me a lot of um, Double Fine. Um, so it's, it's very charming. And like, you know, the puzzles, um, they're, I haven't found anything that is difficult to figure out just yet. But it's, not, it's, it's, but it's still fun to do, to collaborate with another player. And you're always, like, sharing laughs with whoever player you're playing with. So it's, it's a lot of fun in that kind of case. I've, I
0: was wondering about the themes, because, like, obviously from the trailers and the marketing materials, it seems to be a game about uh, a couple falling apart.
2: It's a couple that, that is having, like, uh, marital issues. So, like, they're about to get divorced. And then, like, through some kind of magic, they're now embodied into two small dolls. And they need to work together to solve... Uh, puzzles and basically fix their relationship in the meantime so uh, i guess the, the the puzzle the dull kind of um, perspective uh, reminds me a lot of stuff like the minish Cap, or um, i don't know mm-hmm. if you guys seen the ghibli movie the borrower or yeti
3: mm-hmm. in which like right. you
2: know you're playing of this like small character in which like you know everyday things is suddenly like you know large and scary and kind of interesting to interact with It's always like a. have always found these settings kind of fascinating and like, you know, childlike, a sense of wonder kind of gets with them. I really like the dialogue of how it's been approached so far because it's a very heavy subject matter.
1: That's actually Mm -hmm. my question, because I generally play these co-op games. Like I'm I'm, I'm still playing Sackboy Adventure with my kids. Uh, I like playing these co-op type games with my children. Mm-hmm. Is this a game that wouldn't be a good fit because of the subject matter? Like, it, I mean, if it, if the subject matter can kind of be skipped or ignored, then the game would be, still be enjoyable. I might still consider it, or is it just so embedded in it that I might as well just pass?
0: I will. I will say I read um I read the Polygon review of it that actually pretty strongly recommends against playing it with your kids for some moments in the game. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think even though it's colorful, it goes to some pretty dark or. Like grim places at times, so it might be worth reading that if you uh, if you plan on playing it with your kids. Osama. Yeah. I haven't
2: Thank finished you. it yet, so I can't like you know uh, say right. that this is definitely suitable for kids or not. So maybe next week I'll be able to speak more to that. Yeah, but uh, so no. far so good. I like I like co op games uh, generally, and like this is like a lighthearted fun uh style thing so far see if it takes any any turns here and there <laughs>
3: it's kind just of to, like yeah.
0: complete you know halo playing halo having a good time and suddenly the flood shows up like <laughs> see whether that happens here just like I
2: war how, happens so, so now i'm even more intrigued to see like uh, the, <laughs> dark stuff kind of yeah. go. <laughs>
1: uh i watch a tv show a tv show i was really looking forward to it's called invincible uh, the reason I was really looking forward to it is because I'm a huge fan of the comic book. I started reading the comics when they were at their fiftieth issue, and I believe I stopped at the hundred twentieth and hundred thirtieth, but without the intention of really stopping. I was just like, okay, I'm going to take a little break, come back to it later when they. Because I, I didn't like, I don't like reading one issue per week at a time. I prefer collecting them a bit. That comic is 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 really great. Um, for a lot of reasons that I don't want to spoil, because now that there's a TV show, I'm not sure which parts of the comic are going to make it in. Uh, the TV show itself is very interesting. They, I believe they got the tone perfectly. It's it's pitch perfect. Uh, and that's one of the main things I loved about it. So Invincible, without giving away too much, is about a um, a, a young kid who is expecting to get superpowers because his father is a superhero. Uh, from another mm-hmm. planet, and his mother is a human, so he's expecting any day now that his superpowers would kick in, and it's a coming of age story in that way because it, it kind of happens when he's in high school while he's trying to figure out you know girl issues and bullying issues. So it really starts off in a lot of ways similar to Spider Man. Not exactly; it's not like one to one, but similar to Spider Man, and has a lot of the tones of um, of like the Justice League in there as well. The interesting thing about uh, the comic is the pace, the slow, like how slow it started it really wasn't what you expect the comic to be. There's some um, major twists that happen throughout the series. Mm-hmm. You really think the tone of a comic is going in one direction and then whiplash, it goes into a different one and it becomes incredibly more interesting and exciting. In the TV show, those um, are condensed into the first episode. So like the the, the, mm. the the show hits the floor running. And to me, that's fine because I know what these twits, twists are and they cut out a lot of the, the fat and it works better for the TV TV show to make it more exciting and quicker. I'm actually curious what someone who hasn't read the comic thinks. I'm loving the TV show and I'm not sure if I'm loving the TV show because I have all of the background knowledge of all the little things that happen in between. Right. So it's one of those, this is great. I don't know if I'll recommend it. I hope someone else who hasn't read the comics will tell me if it's great, so I can recommend. Uh, But it's on Prime, the the uh, yeah the Amazon thing.
2: Amazon thing.
1: Yeah, Uh, I have uh, the the Prime for basically two reasons: Expanse and this. Oh, and the boys. Back when there was the The boys, boys, the boys. Yeah, tonally, by the way, um, Invincible is like it's a superior thing, but it's closer in tone to the boys, even though it's animated. Oh, yeah.
2: That that excites me a lot, actually.
1: Yes, um, I also started playing a new game. I know I have a whole bunch I haven't finished that I'll probably never finish, um, but I started playing Journey to the Strange Planet. And oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that the interesting thing about this game is that it's a Montreal development studio uh, that was bought out by Google that made the game for Stadia, and that as soon that like, I think it was literally the day the game came out, or like the day before the Stadia uh development studio in Machel shut down and the game didn't work when it was released and it took them a while to fix it because they actually let go of the team that had made the game. <laughs> so that's oh, kind yeah, of an unfortunate right. yeah. It's it took them a while to fix it. Eventually they fixed it and it's working now.
2: What what kind of game is it, some
1: so it's a first-person. Uh, I'm assuming it's a small open-world adventure game. Um, the premise that you get right at the beginning: your ship crash-landed on a planet, and you're trying to get back off. But there, there are a lot of hints to other things happening and uh, other, you know, mysterious things happening on this uh, savage planet that I called strange because the planet is strange. Um, that's what really popped up to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, what um, the one thing about it that actually. I th- expected to like, but it didn't really hit for me is the, uh, the humor, the humor is like, I, I don't know how to describe it without sounding like I'm insulting it. Cause I'm not insulting it. I can see a group of people who would absolutely love that humor. It's just not really for me. It's a little, uh, frat boyish and, and I wouldn't like a little crass. Like there are, there are frat jokes, like just to give you an idea of what it is, but which is, is, is not bad on its own, but a lot of it just like for me, I, I could almost finish uh, the, their sentence. They started a, a joke and I'm like, and they're going to end it. Yeah, they ended it that <laughs> way. The rest of the game is very intriguing. Um, uh, there's a little too much resource collection for me, but I get it. You know, it's an indie game. They're trying to fill a little bit of content. So progression wise, it's that. But the there's still a lot of discoverability. You see like these creatures, you're, you're curious is this one of the ones that eats me or the, the ones that I'm trying to you know, kill and farm for resources? So there's a little bit of that wonder each time. Um, the, the level design is actually really good. You see a thing, you're trying to get to it. And it, so it has that Metroidvania type feeling where it's like, okay, I guess I can't get there yet. I'm going to probably unlock something. And then you get that thing later and you're like, oh, yes, now you know, it connects the dots in your head of all the different places you weren't able to reach before that now you could reach. Uh, it's, it's well-crafted. Uh, and it is an enjoyable experience. I, I think I'd enjoy it better if I played it on mute. <laughs> but that's just me. I, the, <laughs> that's just me. Like, maybe you'll play it, or one of you will play it, will be like, actually, I was cracking up the whole time. And that's totally fair and legitimate. I don't think it's bad. I just don't, you know, it didn't resonate. It's not your, not your exactly. Style. Yeah. So I'm not sure how, how much longer I'll play with it because the, the, your AI companion is a constant source of these uh, these jokes. It's a common thing. It's like, oh, we have we have a side character. Let's make and make jokes. It's like, <laughs> mm, okay, I don't know. Maybe people are trying to capture that lightning in a bottle that was Portal all the, those years ago because okay. right. that was beautifully executed. But it wasn't exactly a side companion either. It just kind of felt that way. I think
2: that over I'm any I'm... Zelda I'm... companion when it's just yelling instructions <laughs> or just calling for my attention. Hey, listen! No, leave me alone.
0: Give me a joke. <laughs> listen. <laughs> Listen, listen, listen! <laughs> They're just—you have to imagine. These are just Arabs. They're just like <laughs> Smanny, Smanny, <laughs> um, Smanny. So
1: yeah, that was pretty much it for me. Anything from you, Rami?
0: Oh boy, no, no. Actually, really weird week for me. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been busy. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I've been playing a bit of Destiny. Um, I, it kind of hit a stretch. So the 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 story of this season has concluded. Um, there was this system that they had that I really liked, where every week they would add a number of challenges, and the challenges really felt like this: if you check these ten check boxes every week, it um, you'll you'll progress you'll progress through all the the sort of like main content, you'll progress through the power curve, and um, you know you'll be ready for next week's challenges, right? And it kept that up for like five or six weeks. And then now, uh, last week actually, it suddenly went like here's a bunch of like high level end game content that you have to complete to to check these boxes, Mm. and I just immediately bounced off of the game Uh, because I like Destiny and I play a lot of Destiny, but I I also don't have time to just play Destiny, and some of the challenges that were in there are just you know I can't even start them yet because I'm not powerful Mm. enough and I. I play a decent amount, but I have to play I have to gain like five like fifteen fifteen power levels to get there and I can maybe raise my power level by two to three points each week. Uh so I would take five weeks to get to the point where I can start one of the challenges and then even then it's hard content. So I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm done. I'm I'm the weird sort of completionist where if you give me a checklist, I better be able to finish it, and otherwise I'm gonna dislike it. I'm playing some like the nice thing about Destiny for me is always like new people coming in or coming back to the game and like sort of like boosting them through the game. That's always enjoyable for me. So I'm I'm boosting a friend of mine uh through the game right now, and uh that's that's always fun, just kinda like talking about the good times. Hmm. And then um I've been I've been actually I've been very busy preparing some of the Ramadan content for Ooh. us. You know? It's uh, a teaser time, <laughs> Rami. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, this is super exciting, right? Like for years, it's been sort of a, a pet peeve of mine that we have, a, we, have a, we have a games industry that, you know, every game has like a Christmas thing. Even my games have a Christmas thing. They're thrown as a Christmas Easter egg at Christmas. <laughs> and then you have, uh, you know, games like Animal Crossing, which celebrate prom and like, you know, Halloween, and then never Ramadan right like the one of the biggest moments of the year for what up to two billion people only on earth. two
2: billion people celebrate it's a, a <laughs> only two billion. It's, like third,
0: it's, it's like the third of the human population and there's just never it's like it doesn't even happen yeah. and I, I I you know the one of the reasons I've been thinking about it one of the reasons it never ended up in games that I've made is that it's unpredictable as to where it starts yeah.
3: mm-hmm.
0: right like Ramadan doesn't start on the same day every year it's not like you can just go like the twenty-fourth and twenty-fifth of December, or twenty-fifth and twenty-sixth. I don't remember what Christmas is. Yeah. Um so I I feel like I, I understand that it's more complicated, but then you look at all these live games, and I'm like, okay, those games just have no excuses. Yeah. Right? There's just there's literally no excuse. Like MMOs, life service games, games like Animal Crossing, which are tied to the real calendar and update over time. They should have something. And and uh, very often I've, and I talk to this to I, I talk about this to a lot of developers who reach out to me because I, I talk about this on Twitter. and they always say like, oh well, but it's a religious holiday and you know like we don't want to touch religion. And I'm like, yes, it is, but also it's a cultural
1: organ. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: right. Ramadan is not just religious. it's it takes over the culture yeah. Yeah. for a month, even if you're if, if you're not Muslim, if you're not fasting, if you're not participating in Ramadan. It's still the lights come out, the phonies the come out if you live in a country with it's the a Foonese, season uh, the,
2: For it's, everybody living right. in, the, in the culture.
0: Yeah. Right. It's like a month of celebration in, in many ways. And there's just no food and drinks during the day. But you know, trying to communicate that is really hard. Like people really think of it as this really strict, stringent, sort of like everybody is sad because they can't eat. You know, people, people don't congratulate you with Ramadan. They say, oh, I'm so sorry. That's got to be really rough, <laughs> isn't it? And I'm like, no, it isn't. No, it's not. Like, this is great. It's like one of my favorite times of the year, and I look forward to it every year. Um,
1: I think the best analogy for, for that that I've, I've heard for, for Ramadan, to explain it to people who don't fast, it, it feels like, because it's voluntary, it is. We all want to do it. It feels like we're running a marathon. When someone runs a marathon and and completes it at the end, you don't go up to them and say, I'm so sorry, you must be exhausted. You say, congratulations, you know, you did the thing that you set out to do, right? So it's a similar right. feeling. Right.
0: I was always, as a kid, I was always very jealous. as a, Because, you know, I was growing up and I was in a school that was not, a, you know, it was not a Muslim school, it was a, a public yeah. school. And I just, I just remember the Dutch would have Sinterklaas and Christmas and like, Every celebration they would have was just like, okay, so you get gifts and we eat a lot of food, mm-hmm. right? And then our celebration <laughs> came around and it was like, you don't get gifts and you don't eat and drink. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I went to dad. I'm like, dad, this is like, come on, why don't, we have, why don't we have cool holidays? Like they have Christmas and like dinner and they eat so much good food. And my dad just kind of looked at me. He's like, after we fast, what do we do? I'm like, we, we eat. He's like, do you enjoy the food after you fast? I'm like, yeah, no, it's it's great. Like I'm I'm always very like so everything tastes great. And he's like, right, we got 30 nights of Christmas dinner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I can, I can live with that. That's okay. And then at the end we have our eat.
1: <laughs> yes, which you get the presents. There you yeah, go.
2: But it is it is seriously that, man. Like when Ramadan rolls over, like those Ramadan breakfast tables. Oh boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. A yeah. lot of a lot of food. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> right. So for me, for me, it was always a little disappointing to never see that in games, and and now to have a platform like this with, with you know such a lovely and and growing thank you so much everybody but growing community, and to have this be a place where Ramadan content can have a home where it feels at home where it feels like designed from the ground up to be part of it. That's that's just it, yeah, it no. makes me really happy to be Absolutely. working on this. So uh, no pressure, uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> we have uh once again uh after uh, after um, um, a great uh, first uh, episode with uh, Nurhan as Some our guest demand. we have
1: yes absolutely popular yes, demand
0: yeah people really wanted more recipes i saw a lot of people tried the basbousa recipe that uh, Nurhan brought last yes. time to to various successes <laughs> but all of them said it was delicious yes. which is good uh Nurhan welcome back
4: hi I'm so hey. happy so many people tried my basbousa recipe honestly I feel like the recipe is easy but the the baking it is hard
0: In in the community a lot of people were like posting photos of their basbousa and none of them looked as pretty as yours and none of them were cut as pretty as yeah. yours but all of them everybody said that it tasted really good well, so
3: I-
4: I'm a food photographer, so I have my, we have, like, our little quips that we use to, like, make food look better than it is, and a lot of it depends on, like, lighting and Mm. um, editing, like, a Mm. lot of editing, and then also, like, um, to cut it, I literally just had to use a ruler, like, and like just
0: like i saw i saw the the mathematical form you used to cut the best set. i'm just like yo this is this is intense if you're ever
1: up for a challenge you could try to take pictures of food that i make (laughs) if you really want the challenge of trying to make it look good
4: (laughs) we have like we have like very like it's like for example like i have a food photography board and i have um, like a board that i use to help me situate the lighting wow. and i have to have my food done exactly at four o'clock oh. that's when the best sunlight is
0: after after a decade as a game developer i'm not surprised that simple things being way harder <laughs> than they look because like having a door in a video game is like nightmares for game developers yeah. so i'm not surprised that taking a photo of food is like a nightmare for people.
1: making. Yeah, food. I actually used to know uh, a food photographer too. They said some of the tricks I have is that they, they spray buns with hairspray and they do other things like that to make it, to make like in the end, to make them look more real, but you can't eat them after right. you're done.
4: So I don't go to like the inedible extreme because I feel bad that like I cooked this thing um, and then now I can't eat it because it's been poisoned. Right.
3: All right.
0: I, I was just wondering because like uh, obviously like um, for you probably the the same like we were just talking about the Ram, the Ramadan tables of food, right? Oh yeah. If you would have a table like that, what will be on that table?
4: Oh man, so many things. I feel like, okay, so here's what I grew up with for every Ramadan in our house. I, I, I think it definitely differs from every single Muslim, Muslim majority country. But like in our mm-hmm. house, we normally start off with like like the first day is a big day, big game. So it's like um, we usually have like mashikrom and like a turkey and bani and monkeya and rose and um, what else do we have? We have for some reason we have kibda. I don't know why we have that. We have eh, wow. and we have like all of that stuff and like every single type of mash you can imagine. <laughs> and all the salot, so like the babahanus, the hummus, the pina, all of it. And we still do that now. Like when when we make nice. our fast here. And then the desserts. The first day honestly is always konefe and otoy. Like, um I like to like make my otoyf and freeze like I like to like make the dough and, like, cook it and then freeze it so I can just, like, pull them out and fry them and eat at any time. And, um, right. like, it's just always the first day is Kunefa and Like and right. That's just a classic. Nice.
0: That's, a, that's a pretty full table. Right?
4: I'm <laughs> told, one <laughs> day we need that's... to have, like, a piece. Where we like make all the cool stuff. I talk to you
3: about. Oh my right. God, Yes, it sounds yes. pretty good to
1: me. I'm in. Oh, no matter where I am, I'll make my way.
0: I just usually just go find somebody who, who sells me good food at that point because first day of Ramadan, I'm usually too tired to do anything. It's actually the first day is pretty fine, but I always worry that I'm going to be tired. So the first day, I usually just you know find lots of food, um, which uh, it always makes me. It always makes, me, always makes me think a little of when I was when I was younger, um, you know. If we were we would be driving through, we'd be driving through Cairo back to where the uh, the apartment was, and there would be all these little uh, all these little food uh, places that would just be sitting along the street, right? Tiny markets, st- stuff like that. We would just buy all the stuff. We would stop at a number of them on the way home, and it would just be. You know, some of them would be selling uh, kushari or, or fruits or whatever. I, do those exist in in, uh, in? I don't know if that's just a Cairo thing.
2: Actually, like a, a street food culture. Are they like you know vendors that they're selling off of like carts or like they're... yeah stuff yeah, like absolutely. that? Yeah. yeah, man, for sure. I would well, like imagine. In Egypt. I've had uh, quite a bit. Like there, there'd be like um, those vendors, especially by the Nile. And then um, right. you know, like you rock up and you buy some of the stuff that they're saying. It's usually like a little cart with wheels. We have the same also in Jordan, and they'll be selling um, some type of pickled, uh, not pickled. It's like boiled right. uh, chickpeas. Um, they call yeah, right. balila. Hmm.
3: and it's like yep.
2: in this little um, like um, glass. And then, like as you rock up, you buy like you know, like depends with you and your friends. They bring you, They give you like you know. They're they're not chairs. They're like plastic boxes, <laughs> and they flip them upside down. <laughs> right. And now now those are chairs. And then you sit there and eat this meal right. next to the Nile. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun like that. We have a bunch of those like um,
0: right. I, those those. I was actually. Yeah, ne- I was never a fan of that. It was sort of. It's basically like um. It's like um. What do you call it in English? Um.
1: Describe it. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: It's like uh, the the belila specifically. Like there, there's an English word for it. Like uh, not not like a
1: cereal, but like
4: the, the, a similar, the, like, like a like thickened,
1: like a porridge. Okay.
4: Uh, but right. I think porridge. Is, it's so bad.
1: Oh,
0: I don't mm-hmm. like it. Like, Whatever I, we. I feel like if you're gonna
4: make belila, just make rose blzan because it's better. Right. I feel like balila is like really gross.
0: It's one of my favorite things about Arabic re- restaurants. Whenever you go there, and you're there with a bunch of like non-Arabs, and they just sit there, and it's like, oh, this fregh bnee sounds really <laughs> exquisite. And I'm just sitting there, just being like, that's fried chicken. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> like <it's,
0: laughs> like roast of eleven it's the same thing. It's just rice yes. with milk. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> like, oh
4: my god. Okay. I love so, fun story. So I live here in Southern California, right? So I
3: live in a right. majority
4: um, Hispanic community. So they have like Arroz con leche, right? The fact that my mind was blown when I connected the dots that it's just the same thing, just like in a different language. It's
3: <laughs> right. exactly what is it? I don't think same. I know what
2: that is. Arroz con uh, leche? So, is that what you said?
4: Yeah, that's the that's oh Okay, well, arroz con like, leche. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah, rice
2: and, mom, and milk. Yeah. Oh, we literally that right. in Spanish. It's, it's, it's literally that in Spanish. Okay. <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> like my mom would just, mom would just buy them, right? And we would just eat them. And she'd be like, "Oh, this was the leaven." And then when I started learning Spanish, I would go to the bakeries here, and like they have them like, they have them like ready made, like we have them in Moss. Yeah. Hmm.
3: Right.
4: Oh. Uh, like, I was talking to the guy, and I was like, oh, my God, this is an Egyptian dish. And he was like, no, it isn't.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, he was like, this is, like, arroz con leche. And he was telling me about, like, the history of it and the history of the dish and how they make it in his house and how they, like, flavor it with cinnamon okay. and all that stuff. And it was so amazing because, like, my mind connected. Like, everybody has arroz con leche or, mm-hmm. a, a, like, a version of, like, arroz de like everybody has it, and right. I think that's beautiful and
2: amazing. What, what you guys are describing right. is slightly it's, different than what, so like uh, the balila I've had is not the porridge. It was um, it was served like a small um, foam uh, cup, and and it was yeah. you know the chickpeas boiled, and uh, you know the the water it was boiled in like it's very it's a spiced water, right? And you can and and they give you like a little ice cream spoon with it. Yeah. So eat those check bees, and then you can drink the water if you like a lot of cumin in your water, I guess.
3: <laughs>
2: but it's that, it's like, um, uh, yeah. it's a snack. Uh, like it's a, this is what I mean. Like by, by that kind of, it's a, yeah, it's not a meal. It's something you eat in between meals and especially like in Ramadan quick, and something like this. And then you grab, uh, you know, like a little snack from there. Like, I, I think the Jordanian equivalent would be, um, uh, we have those carts that sell uh, turmus. Turmus is, uh, lupine beans, hmm. uh, have them like in a bag and you just like eat them some uh, carts they sell um um uh, sunflower seeds and like watermelon seeds and these kind of things when you can just grab a bag of these and you bite on the seed eat what's in it and like get rid of the the shell um some carts oh. they sell um a, a corn like a whole grilled corn
0: right the corn yeah, is so fantastic.
2: good fantastic um some uh, the
0: they're They're sometimes like,
2: they, they burn it a bit slightly, so it's like seared
0: right slightly charred that's how it needs to be like when you just look at it you're like this is like um this is like 30 seconds away from just being on fire <laughs>
2: yeah a very uh, jordanian thing um that we have is uh, it's, uh probably levantine more than jordanian um it's Kakuzata. um so like there'll okay. be a dude that is selling like um uh, it's a type of bread that has sesame on, uh, on the outside. It's a bit hardened uh, bread, very chewy. Mm-hmm. It's, like a, it's like a circular baguette, but mm-hmm. with a lot of sesame on the outside. And um, the dude that's operating this cart um, usually um, will crack it open for you and give you your choice right. of either za'atar, which is like crushed thyme, or boiled eggs, if it was breakfast time, Or um, uh, white cheese.
0: Oh, yeah. Right, you, you can you can you can buy those in Egypt every now and then, but they're, I, I it sounds like they're far more common in uh, in uh-huh. Jordan
1: than.
2: And in, in Lebanon, I saw something interesting. Uh, you guys all know kunafa, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, so intimately. Like
2: in, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and and, and, and <laughs> in Lebanon, they put the kunafa in the kaak, which is that baguette.
1: Oh, really? It's like a, it's like a kunafa sandwich. Huh? How do, how does that? like does that taste good i imagine because
2: it's two good things Uh, yeah it's true i have have
1: questions (laughs) because kunafa has a really like a a strong sweet sweet taste especially if you have enough syrup so this i guess would subdue it i'm not like i don't know i but the kak is pretty dry yes so it's like this
0: dry you go you bite through the dry thing into like the soft
1: uh, so the
2: kunafa is like warm, and the cheese is melting. By the time you put it inside the,
0: okay, yeah. okay, I'm convinced. Yes, I'm convinced. So it's like a... it's this melted yes, cheese, need... it's
2: melted sweet cheese inside of a bun. It's like it sounds um, delicious. It's, it it's wonderful.
1: I need to try this. <laughs> so my my favorite Iraqi street food is called masquuf, and basically what it is. Uh, it's on the when you go to the corniche you'll see it everywhere everybody has this uh, by by the the river the, the specific yeah so when you go by the river you'll see a lot of people who have set up these fish uh, they're freshwater fish that they fished usually that day from the river and they slice them open and open them up like you would a book like if, if you imagine it like like a butterfly shrimp you know when you open up a shrimp mm-hmm. um, and then they put it they grill it and smoke it at the same time while while it's being seasoned and, they, and you're eating it fresh like fish that was fished that day from the river and the smell is in exquisite Hmm. is the, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time speaking because my mouth is watering as I'm describing (laughs) it. It is, it is, it is to die for. Like I, I I know that there's more preparation, uh, involved, like with the cleaning and whatnot. Uh, and it's there like it's like grilling for... It's there for hours. It's there for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that much. So they they started up before... Uh, nighttime nighttime is the, is the busiest time uh, and you're just walking around and everybody's offering you this the this delicious fish wow. uh, meal. Um, what, one interesting story that I remember about uh, street food, which, which takes me back to uh, one of the... the when I was, I believe, 16 years old, when I went back to Iraq, so it's not that it's not as recent as some of my more recent trips. Uh, this was in the heart of the embargo, and I do remember vividly back then that there were a lot of local alternatives to brand named uh, foods uh, that we, we found in Iraq. Like I do remember um, a chocolate bar that did not taste like chocolate at all. I cannot tell you what it tasted like, which had wrapper a wrapper that kind of looked like. A Mars bar, but didn't say Mars. It said mm. something else. And when you ate it, it tasted like a paste that mysteriously tasted a lot like dates. This like replaced all the the Snickers and the, the Pepsi. This is that's the interesting part. Um, the you couldn't find like Pepsi or or Coke. One one thing I noticed is that there were street vendors who were selling these uh, drinks on the side that were in reused uh, Coke bottle glass Coke bottles. And I really wanted to try it. So basically what you'd have to do is you'd buy the drink from them. You would drink it on the spot. He'd wait for you to finish it. And then you'd hand them that back the bottle. They would wash it, fill it up again for the next person. And initially I was taken aback because I was like, I don't want to use someone else's bottle. But when you think about it, you use other people's glasses every time you go to a fancy restaurant, and you read like drink something else from it anyway. So it took me a sec to be like, "Why do I have an aversion to this?" He's clearly washing it, like that, like that, that that part is happening in front of everybody too, right? Um, but I really wanted to try it, and it was a, uh, it was made out of uh, dibis, which is actually mm-hmm. a Ooh, date like syrup. Dibbis. Yeah, you know the okay, yeah. So it's like a date syrup that's that's oh, in wait, Iraq. it's
2: made out of date in Iraq. And and yes. uh, the Levantines is made out of pomegranate.
1: Interesting. So yes. it probably has a very different flavor.
2: Yeah. So we, we use the dibs like uh, we add it to like um, crushed eggplants and stuff like that, and some salads like fattoush. Wow. Um, you add a bit of that to it. It's it's fantastic.
1: It it is. It's really good. But yeah. So basically, it, they made a soda of sorts out of dibs out of dates. Hmm. Uh Wow. Especially Now, I'm, I'm very curious. I don't actually know if... The, I assume that... Because it tasted good. I liked it. So I assume that they kept that after the embargo left. I just don't remember. I don't have vivid memory of... Did I see it after? Did I see it before? Everything kind of blends into, into that. So if anybody, right. anybody who's yeah. currently in Iraq and is listening to this and is like, yeah, actually this that's a thing now or no that was really just during the time of the embargo i'd love to to get news i mean i could just call up my cousins but i'm lazy send me an email <laughs> i don't know for for me that would like the the,
0: the street vendors are always such a fun part though like we we always had this sort of like route back to, to home and if we came from the one way there would be no food if we came from the other way we get fatigued. We there was this this uh, street vendor selling newspapers, and then uh, further down, there was this uh, this person selling like just the the best watermelons I've ever had in my mm-hmm. life. Just incredible. They would be sitting there like 30 on a little wooden cart with like one of them just like a, a you know a segment chopped out of it, so you could see how red it was. You just buy like three, <laughs> you know. And take them home and then eat them like uh, you know the 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 road home always from the one side of the city always had just incredible food now from the other side it was just always disappointment (laughs) no food no food very, very no food sad. is always
1: a disappointment, like, no matter where you are. It's a,
0: especially when, <laughs> especially if you're there. Like the food is so good, and like the it's like the, the thing about the street vendors, right? The 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 thing about these little carts that we've been describing is like they're so good. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever stopped at one where I ate and I was like, ooh, the, the oh this ain't great no. like it, it's always kind of like quality. mcdonald's in which
2: like you always get the same quality regardless of which cart you buy from <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> you know me if you've listened to this podcast i go for the nuggets every time yeah but in egypt nah, no we've got better than that
4: <laughs> right okay but like i feel like the street vendors are low-key like just on something different during ramadan like right. you know like you know like the street vendors from Austria that have like the tamaya and like the street vendors that have the pool and it's like Fresh, hot, and you just eat it like right before Sahur. It's it's, it's like mm-hmm. different. You know what I mean? Mm, yes, I
3: yeah. love it.
4: It's it's just the best time of the year, really.
0: Right in <laughs> terms of food, absolutely.
4: Oh yeah, with like the the bake, the bread is all fresh coming in the bakery when like uh, when when pickles it's so good i feel like it's just right. iconic in its own way it's, it's ramadan, it really is. and like you have your whole family there like i feel like eating for ramadan is such like a filial. it's like it's like family time you know what i mean like you know like for right. christmas they get like one day we get, we get we 30 get 30 and then i eat <laughs> and like i can't wait for i eat either because like I'm so ex- I'm I'm going to make my movie this year for like the first time ever. So it's
0: really good.
1: I wish I could celebrate it with you. No. It sounds like you're preparing
2: yes. a lot more than yes. I am. <laughs> Once we're all vaccinated I mean, and stuff, we need to really plan this properly. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm 100% in that spot in the Netherlands where it's really hard to get anything like original from the Arab world. So for me it's gonna probably be like a sandwich with cheese and like egg for the first day and i'm gonna be really yeah.
1: sad it's okay Rami. i mean it's the thought that counts
0: right i will i will i'll try but i'm gonna be i'm gonna be like watching all this being a little jealous noran hey. you um i'm guessing you've prepared a recipe for this week
4: yes my secret goal is to kind of like cook my way through like southwest asia and north africa with this hmm. podcast so mm-hmm. Instead of making another Egyptian dish, I went to Morocco and I made mescuta, which is like this beautiful orange almond cake that's traditionally made during the winter because, you know, like Morocco is known for its beautiful oranges during the winter. And my mom has an orange tree. And for some reason this year we had so many oranges, like we just couldn't like... (laughs) <laughs> we couldn't, like, handle them. Like, we were, like, giving them out to my, to my neighbors. And my friend, she is um, from Morocco. She posted this beautiful mascota that she made. And I was like, I need to try this right now. And I, it, it's, and, like, she was like, you have to make it with the Moroccan mint tea. It won't taste the same unless you have the mint tea with it so it was like a Mm -hmm. kind of like a full-on experience where i got to like make the mascota like we had some oranges i had the almonds ready to be grinded like i had everything and i just needed to get the tea and she sent. she was so kind she sent over like some of her grandma's tea she lives in london she sent it over and she like, you can't eat this without the tea. Like, I, I can't let you ethically do that. And I was, like, a very big... <laughs> it was, like, a very... Like, Moroccans and their tea, man. Like, I love it. It's good. It was such a... It's, like, such a beautiful cake because the base of the cake... So we normally, like... Like, when you make a cake, you have some sort of, like, milk product that goes in to the cake to, mm-hmm. like, make it really moist. They actually use yogurt and... I love using yogurt in my baking, and then what I found interesting is that they use al- they use like regular flour, and then they use almond flour. Honestly, it was amazing. I think it's one of the best cakes I've made because for some reason the almond just gives you that wonderful almondy texture almost,
3: um, and like you can, you can
4: taste it, like you can taste the almonds, right. but like it's not it's not like crunchy, right? It's like an actual mm-hmm. like you can taste. The essence of the almond and then for the orange you're gonna be using like you're gonna be using the juice you're gonna be using the zest I actually like took little pieces of the skin and like shaved it in there wow um like past the zest and it was just such a vibrant beautiful flavor I baked two cakes and they were so delicious like for some reason it just once you eat it like something happens with the almond and the orange Mm. and it creates this beautiful nuanced flavor, and I made it with the mint tea, and it just took it to a completely different level. It was such a good complement to it, and my friend Yasmin, I was telling her, she was like, yeah, like, we normally eat this for breakfast or during tea time or before we sleep, because, like, it's such a, it's, it's, it's a really light cake,
0: I like, that, I like that they mention every meal of the day. <laughs> you should eat this at, at breakfast, lunch, or dinner.
2: Or while we sleep. It's
4: that good. Honestly, what I've been doing is when I don't have time to make breakfast, so I, I make this cake on Sunday and then I have it for breakfast nice. and like continuously throughout the day
3: mm.
4: um, as like a snack because it's just there and I can just grab a bite and eat it and it's so good and I never get bored of it.
0: I mean I've had this I've had this one I've had muscuta once in Morocco um also with the binti uh and it was it was quite phenomenal. I was I was kind of upset that I'd never had it before. (laughs) I mean did you see on Twitter did you see on Twitter the person who sent us the photo of the the Iraqi kebab
1: Oh hell yeah. I took a victory lap when I saw it. That looks delicious. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there was
1: no, there was no way I could argue
0: anymore. You, you and Nuran were absolutely yeah, right that that is agreed. the best. Uh, now that was the best looking kebab I've ever now seen. Now I have
1: to get my brother in law to teach me how to do it his way because his way is the best I've I've tasted so far. And uh, next time we're in the same city, I'll make it for you. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me.
0: That's a
4: promise. Well, well, keep like speaking of Iraqi kebab, I did defend Iraqi kebab. Um, I'm in this group chat with a lot of Arabs. And they were like talking about like the best kebab, and some guy was like Egyptian kebab, and I was like, "You liar! <laughs> you are lying right now." You
3: know
1: it. Oh I'm my like, god, this is music to my ears. I'm just saying, <laughs> this is physically, this is physically painful to <laughs>
0: listen I know, to. and
4: I know that Mom is gonna like purposefully like fabricate this. So, like, <laughs> like but we all. Know- we, we all know the truth that it's all <laughs> the kebab, and then it's all the rest of the kebabs.
0: So unfortunate that this part of the recording just isn't working. Oh
1: no,
3: <laughs> I have yeah, witnesses.
0: Can't hear. <laughs> can't hear anybody gonna, right now. It's just so we're strange. Hit up
1: the twitters with the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Fight the power.
0: Anyway, no, no the uh, the recipe for your uh, for your mascota will be on the uh, on the Discord yeah, again, right? So
4: I actually used a YouTube right. video from this really amazing moroccan blog because i honestly had never made it before
3: Mm -hmm. and i
4: didn't want to mess up because like i can't make up my own recipes for something i never tried so i'll like i can like insert the link and it'll be like super easy but i did all the photography
0: i look forward to it I, i might try this one because like i said i've had it once in my life and i i think of it occasionally i
2: am very hungry right now and <laughs> the end of
0: any any episode that is even a little bit about food i leave the podcast i leave the recording and i'm just like we need some food right well,
3: now
4: <laughs> what time is it there oh yeah
0: for any of us any time
4: <laughs> is yeah, <therapy>. <laughs> pretty much
0: <laughs> when well, food happens food happens you like, what food, are you gonna... so it's like
4: cake time for
0: me
1: <laughs> so <laughs> so it's always cake, cake time. time
0: as you, as you said that's the moroccan <laughs> said like you eat it for breakfast you eat it for lunch you eat it for, <laughs> for dinner <laughs> I think we're going to wrap up for today. Um, thanks so much for everybody listening. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in again. Um, this was a blast, Nora, and I look forward to seeing you again. Um, hopefully we'll get to talk to you a bunch more during Ramadan. Yeah, that'd be great.
4: Yes, I'm excited.
0: And um, yeah, there's, um, for those of you who are keeping track, um, there's one more episode next week before Ramadan starts. I think we're going to be talking a bit more about, uh, about Ramadan there yep. as well. That's it for this week. Um, this, i'm so hungry i'm so hungry let's this go stuff. eat yeah <laughs> wrap this up shall <laughs> i keep going for it? shall I just keep talking about how i'm hungry no okay we're good we're good all right thank you for listening everybody um salam salam that was the habibis podcast for this week i was rami Ismail, your host for this episode you can find me on twitter at tha underscore rami My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias, and Fawzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fawzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. The intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubayla, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service, or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening, and
3: salam.